What's up, guys? Welcome to Flashback Wrestling, presented by WrestlingExaminer.com. I'm your host, Wesley Avendano. So, guys, last week was our big comeback episode. My boy Hyman was on. We talked a little bit about the short yet interesting career of Papa Shango, Charles Ride, the Godfather. Well, we didn't really touch on the Godfather days. We mostly talked about Charles Ride. Dabbled a little bit, I guess, into Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine, but not too much. Um, it was a fun episode. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, make sure you guys go check it out. Check it out on WrestlingExaminer.com. Check it out on iTunes. Check it out on Spotify, Google. Um, check it out on SoundCloud. Check it out on Stitcher. Uh, pretty much any major, major... Uh, podcast platform where we're there so make sure you guys give it a listen make sure you subscribe to leave us good reviews that always helps out a lot follow me on social media at flashback wrestling on instagram at fbw podcast on twitter and you know jump in on the conversation i usually don't plug it that early but you know i was already plugging shit so i said fuck it uh as for this week we're going to cover one of the most interesting uh, i would say figures of the wwf's new generation um and and it's a it's weird because i guess you could kind of classify him as being there towards the beginning of the attitude era too but i i consider him mostly mostly impactful during the new generation right right at the tail end and it's a uh, ahmed johnson one of the best um well i won't say best but like i said one of the hottest um wrestlers of, of the mid 90s for sure because that uh, haters are gonna hate now you know hindsight everybody can get their shit in now because we know how the story ends but at the time man let's not deny it ahmed was one of the hottest wrestlers on the planet um the, the pearl river plunge one of the sickest finishers ever um especially for back in the day so yeah man we're gonna talk a little bit about ahmed johnson in just a second but first i gotta remind you guys to check out power slam tv as always, I'll remind you, Power Slam TV is the awesome streaming platform that gets you caught up with all your favorite indie promotions. Any indie promotion you can really think of is, is covered there, and they have content, a shitload of content. Um, it would take you forever to sit there and watch all of it, and you can watch all your favorite performers. We are talking Sammy Callahan's, we are talking the Lucha Brothers from back in the day. Not even back in the day, just a little bit ago. Um, it's, it's great content, guys. I, I can't recommend it enough, and if you use the promo code FLASHBACK, you get to try it for 30 days free. You cannot beat that deal. So once again, that's power slam tv could you guys tell it was a little rusty last week i felt a little rusty i feel like i'm still getting the rust off like you know i'm still getting tongue-tied and shit i mean i still always do get tongue-tied it's fucking complicated doing a doing a podcast and not really knowing what you're gonna say because i call that shit in the ring i don't come out here with a script i just you know say tell you guys how i feel off the top of my head and give you you know an unfiltered view about the topics of the day um but yeah, man, I'm, I'm just feeling real fucking rusty still from, from my two weeks off. It was crazy. I hadn't taken a week off for 52 fucking weeks, um, but I did, and now I'm back, and like I said, I just still feel like, I don't know, I'm still working my rust off. I'm getting warmed up, but today's subject is definitely, definitely going to get me more in the, in the podcast and discussion and debating kind of mood because it's Ahmed Johnson, man. You can't beat that, but before we hop into Ahmed, let's get social real quick, guys. Remember, once again, to follow me at Flashback Wrestling on Instagram, at FBW Podcast on Twitter. Leave me comments, leave me, you know, debate points, leave me talking points, questions, anything you guys want to do, shoot me right there, man. First clip that we're going to talk about today is a clip of Rick Martel, not the model Rick Martel, just regular Rick Martel. In WCW, he's beaten Booker T for the world television title. Two things that stand out for me, to me, from this clip. Um, the first thing is uh, the little known fact, or actually it's a pretty it's a pretty well known fact. Um, Martel fucking blows his knee out in this match, like completely blows out his knee. It's actually 
doesn't really go back to WCW, doesn't go back to WCW after this. Um, and he wins the TV title in the process, which is so fucking crazy. Uh, and the second thing is uh, so many people did not know that Rick Martel <laughs> was in WCW at that time. And honestly, dude, it took me maybe what? I, I, I can't even, maybe like five, six years ago to when I finally came to the realization that that guy that used to battle Booker T for the TV title back in the day was Rick Martel. I don't know why I had never connected the fucking dots. Because when you're a kid, you know, like, especially as a kid back then, like, I had heard of the model Rick Martel, but I wasn't, like, super fucking familiar with his work like that to where I could just, like, point him out right off a TV screen. So when I came to that realization and I was like, oh, shit, that's the model Rick Martel? That's who was pinning Booker T? And that's who, you know, Booker T was having great matches with? So I thought it was awesome. And, um... I, I said in the caption that it's such a fucking shame that Martel winning the TV title at that point was the first singles title that he had held since being the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, which is super fucking sad considering how long he spent in the WWF. And I think that Martel was one of those guys that was, would have been perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. Here's what you guys had to say about that. My boy Pat over at Dope Boys Wrestling says, who needs a fucking belt when you have arrogance? Pat, I love that comment, man. The model, obviously one of the greatest characters ever in WWF history. And yeah, man, who I guess who needs a title? when you have arrogance adams d mike said martel is definitely one of the all-time most underrated performers would have loved to have seen him as the ic champion wwf totally agree bro rampage the monster says martel i always thought he could have been uh the ic champ back in the day imagine him and brett feuding over that belt dude you do not have to tell me to imagine anybody and brett feuding over any belt but that would have been quite the fucking sight man two guys that could definitely go inside the ring the the kevro 215 says um he had a nice run in wcw shame that vince basically used him to put people over he should have been uh one of the four main mid-card workers with sean brett and perfect yeah man i kind of agree i kind of put martel you know in, in that same category with with sean brett and, and and perfect as one of those guys that could definitely go in a ring unfortunately he was dealt a shitty hand um and and, and didn't really get to thrive in wwf as much as a singles competitor nick mole says damn i was thinking he was a former ic champion really is a shame now that you point that out yeah man it really sucks because yeah martel's one of those guys where like if you didn't know you would say yeah he's, he, he should just like based on his resume and his legacy and stuff you would think he'd be, he's a former ic champion philly eagle soldier says the TV title scene was loaded. It definitely was, man. Think about those guys in the mid '90s. I mean, it, the TV title scene was always super loaded. Somebody made a super, like a not to not to deviate too much, but somebody made a super good comment today um, on the page. I don't know who it was. I'm sorry. I'll, maybe I'll shout you out next week if I can remember. Uh, but they made a good point that like before the NWO and before Hogan the world title and the tv title and the u.s title they were all represented equally but after the nwo it kind of everything shifted more towards that world title even the tag team titles weren't that much in the main well they were just hot potatoed a bunch you know what it might have actually been my boy pat who pointed that out earlier um so shout out to you pat but yeah man i kind of agree with that it's just like the tv title meant more back in the day uh definitely before the nwo and before hogan started kind of dominating it and i'm not talking i'm not talking shit about hogan i mean i guess i am a little bit but i'm not trying to at least uh, but yeah, man, I just feel like the TV title, especially in the in the mid '90s, fuck, look at all the future Hall of Famers that held that title. It's it's, it's a who's who if you really actually go through it. Um, so great comment, bro. Iron Man Mike says would have been a great IC champ. Again, I can't agree anymore. Uh, Minor Baseball says Martell should be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Fade, of, Fade Away 102 says, I'm just glad he's in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, though. And finally, Shui Morsel 82 says, another one getting robbed not being in the Hall of Fame by now. So that brings up, obviously, the Hall of Fame point. And uh, what I've heard is that Martel kind of 
doesn't really want to be in the Hall of Fame. That's just what I've heard. Uh, he's actually a really successful uh, real estate agent or a real estate mogul as far as I'm as the last time I checked. Um, so, yeah, man, I guess, I mean, for some people, I know for us it's really hard because we're, like, in this pro wrestling bubble to think about it. But, like, some guys, especially the guys that have been in it and are, like, kind of over it and moved on from it, they don't really care too much, I guess, at this point. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy for me to think, honestly, because I know if I was a pro wrestler, I would have I'd want to be in the Hall of Fame. And if I wasn't, I'd feel fucking slighted hard. But... I don't know, man. Maybe he's just in a different place. He's just more woke than than the rest of us, and he just really doesn't care because, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like he's doing pretty well anyway, so who cares what Vince and WWE have to say? All right, guys. The next clip we're going to talk about is a clip of Barry Windham dropping the WCW talking about the TV title. Um to Stone Cold Steve Austin, but not really Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're talking stunning Steve Austin guys from WCW, um, one of the most underrated uh, performers in WCW at the time. Obviously, they didn't know what they had. They had a, a diamond in a the rough. They had, you know, the the secret weapon, the secret sauce that was going to turn the tide in the Monday Night Wars in a couple of years. They had Steve Austin. Um, they had Barry Windham. Guys, they, they, they were stacked in, the, in their mid-card. Like I said, the TV title has a rich history, uh, and this is just another example of it. But uh, I, I had to ask the question, do you guys feel that Austin would have, you know, made a great uh world champion stunning steve austin not stone cold steve austin but stunning steve austin uh and here's what a few of you had to say my boy matt over at square circle classic says i love steve's wcw work and i could not agree more dude he was that's when he was at his peak i feel as a worker the immortal dead man says yes he would have been a great heel world champion and that's what i think too dude um i think that eventually was stunning steve austin is, is an underrated character for his his his, his talents on the mic uh, i know austin stone cold steve austin gets obviously a, a lot of the love as far as being a great promo, but stunning Steve, dude, there was something there. I don't know. I mean, to, to me, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I like to pay a lot of attention to, to heel promos for whatever reason. I think it's, you know, to me, that's like where the art really is and is in heel promos. And I don't know, man, it's something about stunning Steve. He just, he just had this cocky arrogance and this, <laughs> the little laughs that he would do and the blonde hair, even though he was losing it, like the blonde hair just added something for me. I don't know what dude, but uh, it just, it just worked. Brendan, G88 says he recently said on his podcast with Hogan that he was pushing up the ladder into the top contenders prior to Hogan coming in. Once Hogan came in, uh, it was game over for Austin and he was pissed about it. LOL. Yeah, everybody knows that story. Austin had been promised a US title run and eventually a run in the main event. And obviously Hogan comes in and and, and plans change. Uh, Hogan must pose. So that means there's less space at the top. And Austin got the shit under the stick, man. But I think it all worked out for the best. Wesley Wright, hey, good to hear from another Wesley. Uh, Wesley Wright says, as much as I love Austin, I don't think he was ready for it back then, and it's the best thing to ever happen to his career was being let go by WCW in 1995. Bill Alfonso as the ref that blows the whistle. Um, I don't know what that last part was about. Maybe Bill, oh, Bill Alfonso was in the clip, maybe. But yeah, man, I I, I don't know. I, obviously, like I just kind of said too, Austin Austin getting fired and, and and leaving WCW ended up being what was best for his career and one of the biggest mistakes wcw ever made because even if they don't unlock the you know the puzzle that was steve austin at least they would have kept him out of vince's hands and eventually you know uh turning into stone cold steve austin so yeah bad move by wcw rega 316 says steve and wcw was phenomenal what an in-ring worker he was i cannot agree anymore dude he was an awesome in-ring worker red beard all day says Best thing he did was a character change. V the Geek says, yes, stunning Steve Austin would have been a great heel with the big gold. 
he had personality for days. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, as, as Austin, I always thought he was badass. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he had personality, but it was like a different type of personality. With Stunning Steve, I felt like it was more of a more of a stretch. So, I was more... I've always been more impressed with his, his heel work as Stunning Steve. I don't know why, dude. I really don't know why. Obviously, Austin's more brash and in your face. And, 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 and that character's legendary. But Stunning Steve, is it, to me, is just harder. Because I know, like, you know, that's, to me... It's more of a it's more of a departure from who he probably was. Anyways, as a real person, to me, him and Stone Cold are basically the same person, one in the one in the same. But him and Stunning Steve are so you know different that I'm just more impressed by him being able to do Stunning Steve. Neil Baum says, never understood the switch to Wyndham and back. It seemed like Stunning Steve and Dustin Rhodes were going to feud up every rung of the ladder and for every belt leading into the main event. Then Hogan, <laughs> then Hogan came in. Um, yeah, that that's that's a great point, dude. I never really thought about that, but yeah, if Hogan doesn't come in, you know, the, the trajectory of things are that you know Stunning Steve and, and 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 Dustin Rhodes are probably main eventing for the world title at some point during the uh, 96, 97. So yeah, man, great comment. Um, bearded Southpaw says for sure only as a heel though. Oh yeah, the Stunning Steve character wouldn't have worked as a face, obviously. Um, Melman Child Jones says WCW had all this talent and let them go. Yes, definitely one of the biggest mistakes WCW ever made. Sneaker Valley says my favorite wrestler before the 316 era. That's awesome, dude. That that's great. 22 Donnell says at the time at that time you would think Austin was in the business for like 17 years. He was that good. Absolutely, dude. One of the best fucking ever. Jamie the Jam Johnson says, oh, I'm sorry, Jamie the Jam 1972 said, all right, one more time, third time's the fucking charm, Jamie the Jam Johnson 1972 says, of course, he was actually a better wrestler in WCW than he was in WWE, because of all the injuries in WWE, he had to change his style to a brawler, yeah, definitely agree, dude, he, he was at his at his best as a, as a worker in WCW, Big Sink says, I don't think he was ready for it, but had Hogan and his goons not came in, and he would have stuck around a little longer. I think he would have eventually reached the top tier. But him getting fired was the was a blessing for him, and the timing was crazy. Scorpy from the '80s says, "Yes, indeed, is chemistry is chemistry in the making a hundred with a little oh he didn't know. I don't know what that means, dude. But thank you for the comment. I appreciate it. And finally, Chris W zero six eleven says, "I always felt that by 1994, Austin was a part of the group of guys in WCW just below the main event level." I think had Hogan not arrived, Austin would have eventually migrated to the main event level and become a chicken shit heel champion similar to Flair. Great comment, bro. Uh, I could not agree more. Yes, if Hogan not arrived, things would have played out a little bit different. And I think Stunning Steve would have been, uh, you know, a, a multiple time WCW world champion. Obviously, things worked out better for Steve, worked out better for Vince, at least. I won't say the wrestling world. Uh, but hey, man, that's just the way that, you know, the cookie crumbles. But we got Stone Cold Steve Austin out of it. So it was not all bad guys that's gonna wrap up let's get social for this week remember to follow me on social media that's at flashback wrestling on instagram at fbw podcast on twitter leave me comments leave me opinions leave me questions and i'll address them you know as, as, as much as i can okay guys sit tight for just one second and i'll be back with my guest and we're gonna talk a little bit about ahmed johnson all right guys now it's time for this week's special guest Please welcome back, making a second appearance on the podcast, Adam Harris from the Twitter account, Creating Heat. Adam, what's going on, dude? Hey, man. How's it going? Everything going all right? It's going awesome, dude. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, a little peek behind the scenes, guys. This is our first episode that we're doing without using our original recording um, style or, or format that we usually use, which was Google Hangouts. So I appreciate you, Adam, for your patience as we figure this all out. And now we're on Skype. So, hey, man, moving on up. Absolutely, man. Uh, 
Uh, just glad to be here and uh, re- ready to talk about our topic today. So, Adam, you're one of my favorite guests, dude, because you're pretty much like the first guest that I ventured out of my comfort zone, which is Instagram, which is where I'm really big. And um, and you come from Twitter. So um, what's going on, man? What's 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 the word on Twitter? What's what's going on on the account on uh, at Creating Heat? Like, what do you got planned for everybody? Oh, man. Uh, uh, creating Heat accounts going uh, really well. Again, like I said, the name is Creating Heat, but we we really like to keep things positive uh, on our account. We don't like uh, a, a lot of negative stuff. Twitter can be a, a very, very negative place, so we try to keep it positive, keep it funny and entertaining. Um, but uh, right now, uh, on Twitter, the, the latest buzz has been uh, the cover of uh, the new uh, WWE game, uh, uh, 2020, with Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns on it. Uh, a couple of uh, interesting uh, choices of words, a uh, little mixed reactions on that on Twitter right now. So that's been it's been a fun day on Twitter today. Oh, definitely. The Twitter versus losing their shit over the over the new cover of, of, of 2K20. So that's definitely I, I've seen that myself, dude. So I, I, I'm right there with you. That's definitely taking over today. Absolutely. But, you know, so sometimes uh, I think Twitter can uh, lose their shit over just about anything. So oh, <laughs> never definitely, a dull dude. moment. Definitely, dude. And I figured, fuck it, since we're already, you know. We're creating heat anyways as it is. So let's make him lose their shit over Ahmed Johnson, dude. Because I got you it. on here. I got you on here to talk about one of the most, um, man, I don't even know, like one of the most confusing and most like, um, I don't know, just unique stories in professional wrestling, I guess I'd say. Uh, Ahmed Johnson, before we even hop into it, I'll give you guys a couple of fun facts uh, for, for you, Adam, and obviously for the listeners, just a couple of things that I thought that I found interesting doing my research. Uh, obviously, former football player, went to the University of Tennessee and spent two seasons playing um, for the Dallas Cowboys on their uh, on their preseason squad. Never made the regular season. He never played a regular season game, but spent 1990 and 91 um, with Dallas. Uh, he was trained by uh, um, Skandor Akbar, Scott Casey, and Ivan Putsky. So that's you know that's a couple of names that you don't really hear too often, especially for training a guy like Ahmed Johnson. Uh, he debuts in 1989 in the Indies. So believe it or not, he was actually simultaneously doing indie indie shows and a Dallas Cowboy, you know, middle linebacker uh, debuts in the Global Wrestling Federation in 1993. Obviously, it's not too memorable. Eventually arrives to the WWF. Um, his uh, He lied about his age. Just one of the things that I found super, super interesting about Ahmed. Lied about his age. A lot of people believe he was born, I guess, I believe in 1972 is what he had told them. When he was really born in 1963, so a nine-year difference, uh, Ahmed attributes his older, his advanced age to a lot of the injuries that he suffered. Because a lot of people say he was injury-prone and this and that during his career in the WWF. But Ahmed explains it as like, look, dude, I was no spring chicken. You know, once you're in your 30s. And you start, um, and you start wrestling. It's you know, it's kind of, it's it's a little tougher on your body. So that's one of the things that I found super interesting because you hear about guys like DDP and um, you know, what I'm saying a, a a guy like Rico and stuff like that, They're a little bit older already as they were wrestling. But I, you know, uh, Ahmed doesn't really get clumped into that bunch. He kind of gets, you know, shitted on for other reasons. But I think that's a big, big explanation of why you know things might have gone down the way that they did uh, was his, which his advanced age. Um, he made his WWF debut. At In Your House 3 versus Skip, it was a dark match. Um, before that, actually, he had even appeared uh, as his, as Tony as Tony Norris, which is his real name. Uh, he defeated Rico Suave in July of '95. So a lot of cool stuff before he even before he even shows up on, on WWF television, which he makes his Raw debut uh, in October of '95. Uh, he's super super over at the time. Uh, just a guy that I remember as a kid. 
just having the look, the the aura around him. And man, let's let's jump into our talking points, Adam. Uh, Absolutely. First first black intercontinental champion in pro wrestling history and WWF history. Obviously, it happens at the 1996 King of the Ring. He defeats Goldust. Um, man. What 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 a match, right? Like, talk to me about that. Do you remember watching that match? Do you remember the buzz around Ahmed at that time? Like, first Black Intercontinental Champion. It's kind of sad that it took all the way to 1996 for it to happen, but it did happen. And, and, and Ahmed's the guy that that wears that cross, that bears that cross, and he has the honor of being the first Black Intercontinental Champion. Man, how how'd you feel about that? Absolutely. Um, I, I do remember the buzz around Ahmed. Uh, you know, obviously, I was super into a. a wrestling at that time and very impressionable about it and Ahmed was very impressionable on me uh, uh, being African American myself so watching his success uh, I, I just resonated towards him uh, like you said he had a great look so uh, obviously all eyes on him and uh, you know Vince was really uh, putting the uh, rocket strap on this guy you know uh, pairing him up with uh, you know Shawn Michaels early on in his run and they were doing a lot of tag matches and such like that so Vince really wanted this guy to succeed um the match with Goldust at uh King of the Ring uh obviously Goldust was white hot uh as a character you know people just couldn't figure this guy out um and just a a really cool different heel so I do remember the match uh I remember the match being a pretty physical i mean ahmed seemed to be pretty stiff with gold dust uh i do believe i, I saw in the shoot interview he said um he didn't really uh want gold dust to actually kiss him uh and they had discussed that he would kind of put his hand um you know o- over his uh, hand uh uh over his mouth you know and actually kiss his hand but um gold dust actually went in and uh, actually put his lips on him and ahmed said that kind of fired him up but uh i remember the uh, the match pretty well um Pretty good match, you know. I'd say uh, Dustin is a very, very good worker and kind of tried to carry Ahmed to the best match that he could. Uh, and then, of course, Ahmed uh, being the first uh, black intercontinental champion, uh, that's my favorite title in wrestling. So it was just a super cool moment for me. Um, like I said, I, I really remember Ahmed uh, uh, really being over, and uh, that was just a super cool moment in wrestling history. Um, it doesn't get talked about. A lot, obviously, you know, because of kind of how Ahmed's career ended very, very, very short. Uh, his run in the WWF was short, but it's a super cool moment, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. Oh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm right there with you. One of the memorable moments about <laughs> that match, and that's, it comes before the belt even rings, is Ahmed's entrance, where he just, like, kicks down the fucking doors to, to the King of the Ring entrance and, like, yeah. explode <laughs> off the fucking hinges. Dude, that's burned into my brain forever. Absolutely. I remember seeing that and being like, oh, this guy's so fucking badass. Like, Ahmed was a very, very complicated character, almost enigmatic in a way. He was super over, as over as you can fucking get at that time. And then it just, like... Man, it, it, it's almost it's almost hard to explain and almost hard to to track the exact moment when it goes bad because like you already mentioned, he was teaming with Sean. Um, international incident, he was supposed to team with Sean and Warrior until until Warrior was replaced by Sid. Those are two huge names to be you know side by side with. Um, he even wins the the uh, on, on August fifth, nineteen ninety six. He wins a number one contender battle royal. He he eliminates Goldust last. Uh, earns himself a WWF title shot for the day after SummerSlam. He was supposed to defend the, the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam against Farouk. Um, none of that comes to fruition. Uh, go he he ends up developing a kidney disease. Uh, man, and, and and talk about 
horrible timing. He's the Intercontinental Champion. He's got a shot already locked up at the WWF Championship against against Shawn Michaels. People are already there's already whispers of him being the first Black WWF Champion. Um, so it's everything's going up. The trajectory is a certain way, and then boom, this kidney disease hits, and he keeps him out for four months, dude. Uh, it's, it's it really sucks for him. He ends up having to vacate the IC title. Um, would you say? Because I mean, I I see it. To me, it's pretty cut dry. That kidney disease pretty much derails. He cools him down and derails his push. How, how do you look at it, man? Are you on the same page with me on that? A hundred percent. It's uh, the tale of two halves uh, here, as far as his career goes. It's uh, uh, pre uh, kidney injuries and and post kidney injuries. Uh, he was just white hot coming in, and like I said, you know, winning the Intercontinental Title, teaming with Sid, teaming with Sean. Um, having matches with great workers like Owen Hart and the Bulldog and, and Yokozuna. I mean, they were really putting him in such a top spot so early. And of course, you know, they're putting him with great workers uh, because they want him to learn and they want him to look good. So he was really thrust into that upper mid card scene pretty much right off the back. And like you said, you know, he had a, uh, uh, a WWF title match locked in the day after Summer uh, SummerSlam. So you're the Intercontinental Champion. You got a title match uh, the day after SummerSlam locked in. I mean, everything is going great. Uh, and then this kidney incident happens and keeps him out for four months. And after that, I mean, it, it's it's a night and day difference on, on what his career's uh, uh, looking like. Yeah, absolutely, dude. You kind of said it. You 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 said it perfectly when you were like the tell of two halves, really, because before that, he's Man, like I said already, the, t- the trajectory is clearly pointed at being the first African American World Heavyweight Champion for WWF and for you know for pro re- I mean, not for pro wrestling because Ron Simmons had already done that, but for WWF, which is you know in and of its own note, not to shit on WCW or any other promotions, but you know when you hit the peak in WWF, you you know you really hit it. And his trajectory was to be the first WWF African American Champion, and uh, unfortunately that kidney disease really fucks shit up. Um, he does come back, and when he comes back, he is he, he's involved in a very memorable feud. Don't get me wrong, like you know saying that Ahmed versus the Nation. That's a you know because by the the time he comes back, Farouk Assad has transitioned into Farouk, leader of the nation. Um, and that's a super memorable feud. It kind of culminates with a super memorable match at WrestleMania 13. Uh, I, the image is burned forever into my mind. Ahmed coming up with the with the Legion of Doom and wearing, and wearing the shoulder pads. That's an image that, you know, as a kid, it looks so damn cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was... There was nothing. There was nothing to look cooler than all that with the with the shoulder pads. And it, it, for for a wrestling historian and for wrestling, you know, guys that look back, that's gonna be a huge moment for Ahmed. You know what I'm saying? Like whether he was still as hot as he was prior to the kidney disease or or, or, or not. Like you're standing side by side at a WrestleMania with arguably the greatest tag team of all time taking on. You know what I'm saying? Like the the nation of domination. That that had to have been um, such a huge moment for him. Uh, have you heard the Have you heard the rumor that he kept the shoulder pads? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I do believe I saw a shoot interview with the uh, animal, and he was talking about. I think I've seen a shoot interview with the uh, uh, animal and Ahmed. They both talked about uh, him keeping the shoulder pads, and that kind of really uh, hacked uh, animal off that he that he kept them, didn't give them back. Ahmed claims Hawk gave them to him. Do you do you believe that, or you think he might be? You know what I'm saying? Just, oh, just maybe pulling our leg a little bit. You know, uh, the, the thing about, and, and this again, obviously I'm just a fan. I'm on the outside looking in, but uh, it's hard to say because a lot of uh, guys, in, you know, in, in the locker room, the claim, you know, Ahmed wasn't very trustworthy, you know, he lie a lot. So it's a very murky uh, subject if, if Hawk really gave them to him or if he just, no, nah, I'm just keep these. Right. <laughs> Souvenir. 
<laughs> I'm, in I the will, same, I'm in the same place with it, dude. I, I mean, I will say this. Uh, the, the WrestleMania 13 street fight, man, that, that match was bananas. The, the crowd was white hot. Uh, the, the pop for uh, the Legion of Doom, just incredible. Um, yeah, the match had a lot of gaga, but that's what a street fight's all about. You know what I mean? Uh, definitely a... Uh, mass some of uh, Ahmed's uh, shortcomings as a wrestler made him look good. I mean, the match was great to me. I, I remember that match very well. And it's funny because it's my favorite Ahmed Johnson match. Oh, same here, dude. That's my favorite. I mean, bro, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I had already, I had watched wrestling before that, but WrestleMania 13 is like my, my you know what I'm saying? Like, my turning point. From WrestleMania 13 and on, I'm like devoted to professional wrestling. I don't miss a show. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. A huge part of that, a huge part of that is the the street fight. You know what I'm saying? Like Ahmed was a huge character in, in my childhood. Like seeing him come out with the Legion of Doom. And like I said, the image of him rocking the shoulder pads, whether, you know, whatever the story is, whether whatever part of it is true, the image of him coming out rocking the shoulder pads with the Legion of Doom, like, Dude, it'll forever be burning in my mind. At that moment, I was like, yeah, this guy's a big fucking deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what, this guy's a fucking star. He looked like a star, you know, coming out with them. Unfortunately, that's just not how things ended up playing out. Um, That's kind of probably the peak of his career to that point for his comeback. Because after that, that shit gets a little weird. Um, In June of 97, he ends up turning on The Undertaker and joining the New Nation, which, you know... When you say it out loud, it sounds awesome. Like, you, all right, cool. This guy's going to turn on the current WWF champion taker. That should lead to a feud. Uh, he's joining the nation. That's a swerve. We never saw that one coming. And he's actually scheduled to face the Undertaker for the WWF championship at Canadian Stampede, one of the greatest in your houses ever. Uh, but he, he ends up being injured, and he's replaced by Vader. Um, upon his return, the nation kicks him out. Um just it was it was it was never the same, dude. Like you said, after the after the injury, things are just never the same. Uh, what did you think about him joining the nation? Was it one of those things where like awesome swerve, or was it one of those things where you're just like, ah oh, man, like you know, it's almost like Sting joining the NWO. Like you know, you're sworn enemies. How could you do that? It, you know, it, it, looking back on it, uh, definitely uh, caught me off guard. Uh, uh, head scratcher, like you know why. Why is he joining the nation after he'd been feuding with them uh, for so long? But uh, I guess, you know, just a, a change up in character. Hey, you know, let, let's try this. One of the things he said um, uh, uh, in the interview the week after he changed, uh, uh, joined the nation was, you know, the fans turned on him. And I was like, what? No, they, they never really turned on him. You know, he was still getting pretty good pops and everything. So it's just one of those things. I think that's a Vince Russo era. He's just like, uh, we got to have some swerves or such like that. So I, I think that was just a swerve for swerve's sake. You know what's interesting about this? What I've always thought about, about this whole Ahmed joining the nation. And then, you know, it's almost like, man, had he just held on? Had he been, had they... The, the writers and the creative in WWE and had Ahmed himself been able to hold on like maybe six months to a year, maybe thing play, things play out a little bit differently. Uh, if you if you'll remember, obviously, it's almost similar, very similar to the way that The Rock joins the, the, the Nation of Domination. He ends up joining right, the Nation. Right. Um, he ends up blaming the fans and they turned on him the whole die, Rocky, die. And then there's kind of two big stars in the nation. It's Farouk, but there's always somebody behind Farouk that you know is on the come up. And had Ahmed just been able to, you know, bide his time and, and, and play that role, then maybe the Rock gets usurped by Ahmed a little bit before that. You know what I'm saying? Because what makes the Rock such a huge star is definitely his role in the nation and, and being as good as he was in, uh, on the mic. 
But I feel like the role, the story itself was beautifully told. You know, there's this young up-and-comer coming up for coming for Baruch's spot, and then he's the new leader of the nation. Like, I don't want to be want to be doing revisionist history here, but there's a possibility that that could have been Ahmed's spot had Ahmed, you know, maybe been a little better on the mic. I will admit that The Rock seized this opportunity. The opportunity wasn't handed to The Rock. He seized it. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Ahmed could. Ahmed isn't known as the greatest talker in WWF history. Um, but definitely it's weird to know that he, you know, that, that spot, there was kind of like a false start, you know what I'm saying? With that whole storyline, they tried it kind of with Ahmed first. Um, and it, it just, it kind of, it kind of it, it just never really, it never really comes, you know, it, it, it never really worked. They end up kicking Ahmed out eventually. And it just, it, it, it ends up cooling him down even more. Um, his WWF career, like we already mentioned, it's super short. It, it, he, it ends in 1998. He leaves the WWF abruptly. Um, apparently, his sister had been battling cancer, and uh, he had been scheduled to be in, a, in an angle where the Truth Commission would beat him up and drag him all the way up the ramp. And he didn't think that, you know, his his dying sister, who was a, a, a huge WWF fan and was watching week out, he didn't want that to be a lasting image for her as she was passing away. Um, apparently, 15 minutes before he was scheduled to go out and do this. Um, he got a call saying that his sister was had, had taken a turn for the worse. He tells Vince he has to leave. He has some personal issues to take care of. He never clarifies with WWF why he leaves. And apparently he never comes back. That's just, that's it. That's it. He leaves and, and, and Vince has had enough or I don't know what ends up going down, but they end up parting ways. And um, he never, ever, ever comes back to WWF. Um, his sister passes a week, a week, passes away one week later, which is sad. Um, and, it's pretty much it, man. His career with the WWF is over. Something super interesting that I will that I found out during my research, and that I, you know, it, it's just it sucks, but you know, it's part of the story. Uh, Ahmed's gone on to claim that Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, and even Steve Austin were all racist. And in a really sad turn of events, um, apparently somebody had keyed and scratched in a racial a racial slur into his rent a car the day that he won the Intercontinental Championship. So so Ahmed claims a lot of racism behind the scenes. He claims Ernie Ladd had told him, hey, you're about to enter the most racist organization organization you know that exists when he when he was joining WWF. So a lot of claims by Ahmed. Um, I'm not calling him a liar, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and claim it because I, I don't want to sit here and shit on anybody's character. But, I mean, would I, could I, I, would ne- I would not sit here and just deny it you know what i'm saying like vince hbk austin i'm sure they're all nice people but at the same time like can i believe there was some racism there yeah i can believe it you know so i don't know man it's just it's, it sucks ahmed gets a gets a rap of kind of being a hater now and just you know trying to bury people you know after the after the fact but at the same time dude it's just i, I don't know it, it sucks the way the things ended uh in the wwf for sure but Man, it just seemed like a really, really missed opportunity, and I can see why Ahmed would be a little bitter. Um, what are your thoughts about his WWF run and the way it ended? You know, I think his WWF run is, uh, or the legacy is, what could have been. You know, what could have been had he not been injury prone. You know, um, uh, if the kidney incident never happened, if uh, he never had to have, uh, you know, the, the the knee surgery when he was about to face the Undertaker for a. Uh, the title at Canadian Stampede, uh, which probably would have been a really cool match because that crowd was just white hot. Um, I think it's just going to be what what could have been with Ahmed. Uh, obviously, you know they were really giving him a monster push right off right off the bat, and um, 
just if you know some things were worked out here and there you know he wasn't the best talker maybe you know put a mouthpiece with him um just what if what could have been uh i think it's gonna be ahmed's legacy oh yeah man i definitely agree with you there ahmed's almost like the ultimate what could have been you know what i'm saying like what if what if he's just what if he's just a little younger or what if he is just a little bit better of a talker? What if he's a little bit better of a worker? What if he never develops the kidney disease? Like you said, what if the knee injury never pops up? There's a lot of what ifs with, with Ahmed. And it just, you know, it's it's crazy and it's almost an example of how fragile, you know what I'm saying, like that that run is and how, you know what I'm saying, like how in, in, in the turn in, in one second, in the blink of an eye, it could all turn. You could be destined to be the next you know, WWF champion, a huge star. And then all it takes is one, you know what I'm saying? One thing to go wrong or one thing to not fall your way. And boom, you're, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're Ahmed Johnson. And unfortunately, um, he's become a footnote in WWF for, you know, both positive and, and negative reasons. Unfortunately, uh, his career did not end though with the WWF. Uh, a lot of people forget. I, I honestly, fuck, I was shocked. I, I was watching. I remember watching this as it happened. Um, he shows up at Sold Out 1999 uh, yeah. WCW to interfere in a match with Stevie Ray and Booker T. Uh, he comes out. He's Big T. He forms uh, Harlem Heat 2000 with Stevie Ray. He even defeats Booker T for the for the the right to use the letter T. So for a while, Booker's just you know just Booker um, because he's not allowed to use T because Big T wins it. Uh, obviously, that doesn't last very long. He ends up getting released from his uh, WCW contract. Uh, for weight issues, he just could not keep the weight down. That's a huge thing. He himself has said it in a in a shoot in a shoot interview. He said, uh, "I was fatter than Fat Albert, and if they would have given me a belt, I probably would have ate it." So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I like that he's did sh- he shitting on himself. You know that he's self aware enough to know that you know. But Ahmed struggled with weight issues ever since retiring. I don't know if you've seen any recent pictures of him or you know the, yeah. the where yeah. pictures, and it's you know it's kind of crazy because Ahmed looked like he was you know what I'm saying like super athlete when he first debuted in wwf like i remember looking at him and be like dude this guy is just fucking jacked like yeah. he's the he's the african-american hulk hogan you know what i'm saying like legit he was that's how big he was and so athletic um another thing that i that i found interesting during my research is that he claimed Shawn michaels asked him to not to tone down his athleticism and his athletic moves that he wanted more bear hugs and like grapple holds and shit like that from him uh he even went on to claim that Shawn used to have an office at uh, titan towers so I don't know if I necessarily believe the Sean having the office at Titan Towers thing because you, I would have thought that a lot of Sean haters would have, pro- you know, Cornette and guys like that would have probably pointed that out before. <laughs> but I can see Sean wanting him to tone it down because Sean was supposed to be that athletic guy and that, you know, the the the, the guy doing the moon salts and the catches catch can style. Um, but yeah, man, it's just it's crazy. Big T has his run in WCW. It ends. Uh, he does a couple of indie shows here and there, but no, and then the career wraps up, man. And, and that's pretty much it. That's the story of Ahmed Johnson. One of the most, like I said, interesting cases, interesting cases in professional wrestling. Um, like you already said, the tale of two halves, you know, there's an Ahmed before the kidney injury and there's an Ahmed post kidney injury or post kidney disease. And it's just, it's kind of sad, man. It, it, it's really sad. And you don't see too many cases like that. Um, Talk to me about a dream match, dude. Give me a dream match from back in the day that you would have loved to see Ahmed, Ahmed Johnson. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a one-off. I'm talking more like a dream feud. So give me one from back in the day that you would have loved to have seen him in. And then one from current day that you would have loved to have seen him in. Okay, so a dream match uh, from from back in the day. And, and clearly we're going with Ahmed being uh, you know 100% healthy and ready to go. 
um, would have really liked to see that Ahmed Undertaker match. Um, yeah, I, I think that would have been really cool. Uh, a, a, a heel Ahmed, uh, again, like I said, healthy uh, against the Undertaker. I think that would have been really, really, really cool. Um, as far as um, like today, I think uh, Ahmed versus like a Bobby Lashley would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, that, that's that's a great one actually. And yeah, and the one that you said earlier with Taker, obviously that's the one that we never got. It was teased, and we never really got the payoff from it. Um, and 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 just to, to add on to your point really quick, man, a heel Ahmed Johnson would have been so fucking awesome. That's one of the reasons where I was a little disappointed that they pulled the plug so quick on him being with the Nation. Because even after he gets kicked out of the Nation, I would have liked to like to have seen him be more like a just a chip on his shoulder kind of guy. Because I felt like after the kidney disease. That's what that's what Ahmed should have been. He should have been healed and he should have had a chip on his shoulder. And if he was going to do the whole, you know, you guys turned on me or you guys don't like me as much anymore, he should have kept doing it as a heel. I felt like the the baby turn, the baby face turn again. That was just a, a ill advice for me, at least. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you one that I wish I would have seen. And it trust me, it would have been a negative three star match. But I think like just the moment, just the moment and like the face off between the two would have been intense. Um, Ahmed and, and Warrior. You know, like they were they were supposed to be partners at International Incident. That doesn't play out. Warrior gets himself fired again. Um, but I think, but I think it would have been awesome to see to see Ahmed. You know, almost like a like I said, dude. Ahmed to me was kind of like a you know what I'm saying like a, a African American Hogan. He had the body type. He had the the hype around him at the time. I could, I could only imagine like Warrior in his fucking ultimate. You know what I'm saying? Like at his peak, Warriorness, staring down Ahmed and just facing off in the middle of the ring, and both of them just flexing up a fucking storm. That would have been a moment, dude. The light bulbs, the uh, the the bulbs would have just been going crazy in the in the crowd from the flashes. Um, and as far as current day, yeah, man, I, I I would love to see him go up against Lashley. I'd love to see him go up against the Kofi. I think the the contrasting styles would be awesome. Um, a Braun Strowman, I think, would be cool. Obviously, we've already seen that dynamic with with uh, Strowman and, and Lashley. But I just think there's so much great talent nowadays that I'd like to see him. I, I personally, I like a contrast of styles. So maybe a guy like AJ, no pun intended, or Finn, Finn Balor. I think that would be pretty cool. But I think Ahmed just was a really cool character in, in the look and, and being so big and intimidating. He's a, as big as a fucking house, dude. So I think like when you're a babyface, that works. And for him, if you would have been, if it would have been more committed to him being a heel, I think it would have worked too. So just a really a, a big missed opportunity, man, with Ahmed Johnson, um, which is going to lead me into our name game, dude. I obviously, I always like to play a little name game, and uh, we're going to talk about the first category. We're going to talk about is um, guys that what could have been, you know, what I'm saying guys that lost their push for one reason or another. And, you know, sim- similar to Ahmed, just were never the same afterwards. So, first name I'm going to throw at you, Ahmed Johnson or Mr. Kennedy! Man, Mr. Kennedy, what a missed opportunity. And I say a missed opportunity, uh, uh, I think kind of he was his own worst enemy, having uh, some, some backstage uh Heat with some guys, but I mean, he could talk. He could he could do it in the ring. Um, I think that guy could have been poised to be a, a huge star, and uh, it just it just never really got off off the ground too far. Um, you know, he got in some uh, angles with uh, Batista and the Undertaker, and those, I mean those those names right there. I mean they'll uh, they'll uh, shoot you up there uh, real quick. But man, what what a missed opportunity for Mr. Kennedy. I, I really would have liked to seen uh, a little bit more out, out of him in, in WWE. 
Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. Uh, this is the Ahmed episode, but I have to be honest, and I think that the bigger missed opportunity was Mr. Kennedy. Uh, as much as I love Ahmed, Ahmed just did not come. You know, it was like it's almost second nature. You you have to be born with that gift of gab. You know what I'm saying? Like guys like The Rock, guys like Flair, guys like Austin, Savage, guys that just have it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not uncomfortable. They don't seem awkward in front of the mic. Mr. Kennedy's one of those guys, dude. The spotlight. You know, no pun intended because he actually used the spotlight, but the spotlight right, was not right. too bright for him. He was he was comfortable in the spotlight. He he looked for it. He needed it. You know what I'm saying? He thrived in it. And I feel like that might have been one of his – to your point, that might have been one of his downfalls, just the attitude. Because, he, man, he's a, he was a cocky son of a bitch, dude. He knew how good he was, and he knew that Vince saw, saw potential in him and saw dollar signs in him. Um, my thing is what if he's never misdiagnosed, you know what I'm saying? Because unfortunately, like – with, with all the heat that he had and all that shit, like he was still Mr. Money in the Bank. And the only reason that it got taken off of him is because they thought he was injured and it turned out to be not as severe as they thought. Um, so that's one of the ultimate what ifs. And he's like, what if, he, if they just wait a week before? What if they don't panic and, and give the, the Money in the Bank contract to Edge? What if they just wait and bide their time with Mr. Kennedy and he's okay? And then he goes on. Because at that time, dude, especially at that time, the money in the bank was you're guaranteed, dude. You're gonna oh, absolutely be, gonna yeah. be the next world champion. You're not cashing it in and losing. You're 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 the you're the you're the guy. You're the uncrowned champion. And um, yeah, it's just you know it sucks how everything played out. And unfortunately, he goes to TNA, and uh, it's not the best time in TNA. He does a lot of cool stuff. Like I I, I liked when he when he pretended to be Surfer Sting. I thought that was awesome, and I thought he looked the part too, which is pretty crazy. Um. But yeah, man, it sucks. He, Mr. Anderson, just never had the same, the same, uh, the same heat and the same, you know, momentum that Mr. Kennedy had, and it just, it just was never the same after that. But, but uh, unfortunately, I, I got to go, Mr. Kennedy, because I just thought there was a lot more potential than with Ahmed. Even though, I mean, it's crazy to say that because Ahmed had the potential to be the first black WWF champion. <laughs> so that, I mean, that that speak volumes to how how much potential Kennedy had. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same. I, I got to go with Kennedy being the. Uh, uh, the, the bigger missed opportunity. Um, and it's, it's a shame. I was a huge fan of Kennedy. Absolutely. Dude. After that undertaker feud, I thought this guy's the next star, but obviously it did not play out that way. Um, speaking of guys who feuded with the undertaker and didn't end well, uh, Muhammad Hassan. What about Muhammad Hassan or Ahmed Johnson? Oh man. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, you know, uh, of course, uh, Muhammad Hassan, Unfortunately, if it wasn't for uh, the, the incident, what was it, the uh, attack in London, I do believe, um, and kind of that whole deal and how they had to kind of, uh, quote unquote, get rid of that character. Um, that one, you know, ended due to circumstances out of everybody's control. Um, it's not like, you know, he was injured or anything like that. Uh, so. That's a that's a really tough one because, like I said, both are, are missed opportunities for different reasons. Uh, you know, obviously Ahmed being injury prone, uh, and and the other, you know, just a missed opportunity. I got to go with Ahmed uh, a little bit more on that as far as a missed opportunity goes. I love Ahmed, but I'm going to differ with you just on this one for these reasons. Here's my reasoning. Ahmed was a little bit older, a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to say past his prime, but definitely had some miles on him. Where Muhammad Hassan was, I believe, like 23, 24, possibly. I'm not exactly sure on the age. I might be off a little bit, but he was in his early 20s for sure. Like, he was he was young. And uh, he, this is a guy that at his first WrestleMania, he doesn't wrestle, but he interacts with Hulk Hogan. You know what I'm saying? Like, and this is a guy that I remember reading, like, on the on the on the message boards like hey man there's plans for this guy to main event wrestlemania next year as the world champion you know what i'm saying that's the world champion heel um 
it's just crazy, dude, how for how you see a guy that's pretty much earmarked for main event success and then one incident that's not even, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like you said, it was out of his control. He didn't do it. There's nothing that he did specifically or anything like that 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 got this push taken away from him. It was something, you know, it was it was an act of God almost that 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 prevented him from 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 being able to follow through on his push. And I just think because of his age and because of like the heat that he was already getting. I don't know. I think Muhammad Hassan had a tiny bit more potential than Ahmed, but Ahmed, like I said, dude, it's just the missed opportunity. The, the fact that the, here's the, here's the thing, the difference between what I see is the difference between Ahmed and Muhammad Hassan with Ahmed. They were right there, dude. You were at the cusp. Like you were at the one yard line. All you had to do was punch it in with Muhammad Hassan. There was, you were probably, you know what I'm saying? Like you're in the red zone, you're in the 20, you can see the, the, the horizon of the, of the finish line of the, of the end zone, but you're not there yet with Ahmed. I felt like they were so close. Like all you had to do was legit, just tip him in, tip it over. And, and, and he's in, you know, he's, he would have been like, nobody would have looked at Ahmed at that time period as the world champion and been like, Oh, that's a, you took a step down. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it, just, and it just didn't do it. So I definitely feel that's a missed opportunity, but I feel as far as like longevity wise and character wise and character longevity, Mohamed Hassan probably had a little bit more left in the tank than Ahmed, but I'm splitting hairs here. You know what I'm saying? Um, here's another guy that I thought was a huge missed opportunity. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know if you used to watch uh, NXT in its original, you know, format back in the day. Um, but Caval, Caval or Ahmed Johnson, Caval. Some of you might know also as Loki, one of the best independent wrestlers ever. Um, so who would you say was a bigger missed opportunity, Ahmed Johnson wow. or Loki? Caval, man, uh, the, the, lots of buzz around Caval uh, his time in NXT, and like you said, you know, uh, a lot of people know him really as a low key, excellent worker. Um, yeah, man, um, I, I gotta say, you know, low key, probably a little bit more of a, a missed opportunity there, uh, and I definitely see, you know, uh, from from a longevity standpoint, I definitely. Uh, uh, see your point there going back to Muhammad Hassan, um, you know, Loki probably had a little bit more legs on him. Uh, obviously if he could have gone through, you know, NXT and moved up, you know, what could have been if he was still, you know, in WWE all those years later, you know what I mean? So, uh, probably a little bit more of a missed opportunity there. Yeah. Plus, he's a really good worker. Great worker. Exactly. That's where I agree. And that's probably why I got to go as much as I love Ahmed. I think it's Cabal, man. That's at the time where Ray's injured. You know, he's really in and out with his injuries. That's the time where Evan Bourne is kind of on the way out already. So a, a smaller underdog type of type of character was really necessary in WWE. And I always felt, dude, like when I because I knew who Loki was, obviously you know, a lot of hardcore wrestling fans knew who Loki was at the time. And I always felt that, like, why are, they, why are they even fucking running him through through NXT? This isn't – because, I mean, when I say NXT, some people might hear it and be like, well, what's wrong with that? Like, that is, that's where I would want Loki. I'd want him in NXT. It's not the same NXT, guys. We're talking, mm-hmm. you know, like the – the there's there's um, B – it's NXT BN. You know what I'm saying? Like, before the yeah. network. Before the network and after the network, there's two different NXTs. And before the network, it was a game show type of thing. It was – you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, oh, a competition almost. Um, so don't be confused by the word NXT. It's not the same NXT. Uh, he does end up winning the game show. He ends up being uh, the the winner of it. Uh, what I thought, like I said, dude, to me he shouldn't have even gone to NXT. Like his mentors, his mentors were lay cool, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like he doesn't need this shit. And uh, and inexplicably, he wins NXT. He wins the you know the season two of NXT, and he gets a title shot, a guaranteed title shot, and he decides to cash it in for the Intercontinental title instead of the World title. That's horrible writing. It's um, it's horrible, you know, uh, execution. 
um, Cabal could have been definitely one of the guys. He, he could still be there. You know what I'm saying? Like his style was different. He's a super aggressive, super strong style guy. His voice, his voice is one of a fucking kind. You know what I'm saying? Like that deep fucking, you know, that deep tone that he has and, and his look. Everything was different about this guy, about Loki at the time. And I just think WWE really, really fucked up right there. Uh, I love Ahmed, but to me, it's it's Cabal and it's you know kind of not even close. Um, I, I'm lying. It's pretty close actually. But still, <laughs> but still, like I, I'm a huge Loki guy. Um, I like him. I think he's one of the best performers, even still today. Uh, and I just think WWE had him, and, and you know, they, 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 WWE's had some of the best independent wrestlers ever. Like they had this guy, they had Caval, they Loki, they had, you know, um, Cole Cabana, Scotty Goldman. They had a lot of great guys on their roster that they've always, you know, just let go for whatever fucking reason. Um, last one though, dude. This is a guy that I'll put it this way: his his push and his run and all that shit went up and smoked, and it was kind of his own doing. Uh, Ahmed Johnson. Or um, Mr. Pay-Per-View, Mr. Monday Night, RVD 420, Rob Van Dam. Oh, come on. You, you, you have to go with Rob on this. Um, super over. Ridiculously over. Um, you know, pretty good on the mic. I wouldn't say the best, but pretty good. You know, got a point across. Uh, but in, in the ring, come on, man. It's not many who could touch RVD. Um, just... You know, his own worst enemy. Um, I would have to say it's RVD here, the, the bigger missed opportunity. Like I said, he's a lot of the reason why there were some missed opportunities. He worked some uh, excellent angles. I think uh, him and Undertaker had a, a really, really good hardcore uh, championship match. Uh, that was awesome. Of course, his work with Jeff, uh, super cool. Uh, his work with Jericho, you know, he's working with Austin, he's working with Rock. I mean, come on now. It, it, it's got to be RVD on this one. Yeah, man. I Fuck, dude. It, it really, really sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, not, not going to sit here and hate on RVD. I mean, fuck, dude. Man, it, it, it really sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he had the title. Like, there's one thing where you, you don't have it. You have your trajectory to maybe you're going to get it. Like, Ahmed, you know, it's like everybody says eventually you're going to get it. You're the guy. You're the uncrowned champion. This guy was the crown champion. He pinned John Cena. He cashed in money in the bank. He's the double champ. He's got the ECW title. He's got the future of ECW on his shoulders and WWF championship on his shoulders. And, you know, for those of you that don't know the story, uh, Rob Van Dam and Sabu get pulled over uh, with the sticky icky. <laughs> the officers are not very kind to them. You know, they do what they have to do. They do their jobs and, you know, they, they get arrested. So... It did not go well. Vince was obviously pissed. RVD is forced to – he drops the, the WWE title to Edge, drops the uh, ECW title at the Big Show, and the, the, the run is pre- his run is pretty much cut out from under him. Um, it doesn't – I don't know, man. Like I said, it, Rob Van Dam is one of those cases where like even before that, like I felt like he should have been world champion before that. Don't – you know, it's like to me, they waited long as it was to, to crown RVD, but man – like, you hear stories nowadays of, I don't know if you've heard them or not, but, like, you know, WWE trying really hard to make Seth Rollins look cool and, you know, to be cool and stuff like that. Like, cool is something that you you, you strive for, for your baby faces and for your performers. RVD fucking oozed it, dude. Like, he had to make zero effort to be cool. Like, he barely even had to talk. He, he was not the best promo guy, but anytime he opened his mouth, you were like, this fucking guy is cool as shit, dude. You know, so, oh, man, like. Everything, everything that you would want in a world champion, just, you know, appearance wise, he had an awesome look, move, 
move wise, like move set wise, had probably the most unique and awesome high impact move set of his generation of his era. Great finisher, you know, great fan reaction, just everything in general. He 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 was total package, um, and and it just you know it never really it was never the same after that. Even after he came back, even after everything, like Vince just never put his trust in Rob Van Dam again. And it, it, it sucked for WWE. It sucked for us as a wrestling community. Um, cause Rob Van Dam was one of those guys, man. The first time I saw Rob Van Dam, I was like, Whoa, like this guy's going to be the world champion one day. And you know, it, it happened and then it was gone just like that. So I agree with you, dude, as much as, as Ahmed Johnson was, was, you know, a great guy and his push, you know, should not have been lost like that. Rob Van Dam is the ultimate. What if, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if he doesn't get pulled over that night? What if he's not, you know, smoking weed with Sambu? Like what, what if, <laughs> what would have been in the wrestling world? Yeah, man. Uh, totally agree. Like I said, I, I don't think I've seen anybody who said they don't like RVD. I mean, just, and, and he won the, the WWE title from John Cena in such a cool atmosphere. I mean, to this day, I just, I love that match. I love the crowd, the energy. I mean, it was just perfect. And I agree with you. He could have won, you know, the title years before that. He could have won it during the whole, you know, in the invasion year, the 01, you know, and then 02. He could have he won it then. But, you know, the way he won it and who he won it against, it was just perfect. And I just hated to see that opportunity get taken from him because of, well, his own mistakes. Yeah, it sucks. It's just, just like I hate to see him take it, that opportunity taken from him. I definitely do, too. I, I I mean, who wants that? But at the same time, you do. We, I, I know you realize it and I realize it, too. It was his own doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. you have to be more careful. I'm not going to sit here on my fucking high horse and be like, oh, don't smoke weed. I don't give a fuck what you guys do. But you got to be more careful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't get caught up like that because you have to realize that you, you know, when you're the champion, dude, and that's the thing. It's just like. Every, it's all cool. It's all fun and games when you're just a performer. But when you're the champion, you have to know. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to be aware of shit like that. And unfortunately, you know, he he was punished for not being aware, and it just his career was never the same. Um, let's move on to our final category, though, dude. Uh, Ahmed Johnson is a one-time WWF Intercontinental Champion. It happened during the '90s. The '90s uh, had a few more one-time Intercontinental Champions, and I want to see where you rank him with some of these other one-time Intercontinental Champions from the '90s. All right. All right. So. Ahmed Johnson or the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich? Oh, man. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I, I got to give the nod to Texas Tornado. Um, such uh, a, a sad ending uh, to his life. Um, but I really think that I think his I think his WWE run could have been and should have been a a little bit, a little bit better. Um, you know, coming coming in, you know, everybody knows that Kerry uh, Bonnery, he's got a great following and such like that. I mean, I think he really should have had some potential to even move past the uh, the Intercontinental Championship. I know his uh, Intercontinental Championship run was very, very, very short. Um, when he get SummerSlam ninety against Mister Perfect. Uh, but uh, I got to give the nod to the Texas Tornado on that one. Yeah, man. Talk about a guy that could have been in our in our last category, right? About, you know, guys who, who lost the push that they, they could have been, you know, what if. Um, because Kerry Von Erich, obviously, he was over his shit. He was one of the biggest names in professional wrestling, even at the time. Even as a Texas Tornado, even when you try, the, your, even when Vince tried his hardest to hide, you know what I'm saying, like hide who he was. 
everybody still knew that that was Kerry Von Eric. He was over shit. The look was there. The the presence was there. Just, you know what I'm saying? The physique, he was always on point. Um, I thought that was a huge missed opportunity. And like you, I also think he could have been elevated into that main event scene. Even if you don't put the title on him, like he could have been one of those guys. Um, but yeah, man, it just it never came to fruition. And as much as I love Ahmed and as much as he was an impressive Intercontinental Champion, I believe just like you, the Texas Tornado was just a notch better. Um, what about this guy? A guy that, fuck, it's crazy to think he's only a one-time Intercontinental Champion. This is a guy that I thought was also destined to be a star um, and never quite made it to the championship main event scene. Uh, Ahmed Johnson or the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith? Oh, man. Bring the heat on this one. But, this, uh, you know, I, I go with the Bulldog on this. First of all, I'm going to tell you I'm a little bit biased because uh, it, growing up, Bulldog was my, my favorite wrestler. I mean, my favorite wrestler. I, I have an action figure of uh, the British Bulldog in my office uh, today. Um, my favorite SummerSlam match is him versus Brett for the Intercontinental title. That match, the way he won it, you know, against who he won it from. Um, and Bulldog, it was a better worker in the rings. I'm giving the nod to Bulldog. Yeah, this one's easy for me, dude. You already know I'm a I'm a Hart Foundation mark. Bulldog is, you know, iconic in the Hart Foundation. And even before that, uh, there's something about me, dude. I'm just like I'm an aesthetics guy, like and it's just like the way Bulldog looked, the tights, dude. I was yes. so tights was so over with me, like, like the, you know what I'm saying, like the 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 design when they were long legged tights, yeah. and then when he, he went just to the looked trunk. cool. Yes, and then the 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 tassels on the boots. I always loved yes. the fuck out of that. The tassels on the arms, like. Everything about the Bulldog, and like I told you, when he WrestleMania 13 is a huge turning point in my life. He had a huge role in that. Him and Owen against uh, Vader and Mankind. I, I love that. To me, my favorite, like my favorite super team of all time, because I think like there's 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 categories when you go to tag teams. Like my favorite tag team of all time is is the Hart Foundation. But my favorite super team, which I've always considered like one single huge single you know star, the teams with another huge single star. Forever, my favorite one will be Owen and the Bulldog. To me, it just it, it was just like. When I looked at them, I'm like, oh, those are two huge fucking stars. Like, they should never lose a match. Um, Absolutely. And, and like you, dude, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Bulldog fan. Bulldog is easily – and I get heat for this because I'm like – because I say Bulldog is my favorite foreign wrestler ever. And people are like, well, I thought Bret Hart was your favorite and he's Canadian. I Man, I Canada's so close to the – like, I barely consider Canada, like, like you know, for Canadians foreigners. So for all intents and purposes, even though Brett is my favorite of all time, like to me, my favorite foreign wrestler forever is because Brett's gimmick was not um, Canadian until 1997. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, that was never his gimmick. Where the British Bulldog, it's in his name. He's the British Bulldog. Um, so to me, he's always been my favorite international uh, performer ever. Like just and and you know, shout out to Georgia Smith, his daughter. She she's a follower. She's a flashbacker. So shout out to her. Um, David Smith Jr. shown love a grip of times uh, on Twitter and on Instagram before. So shout out to him too. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a big bulldog guy too. So uh, to me, it's it's almost a travesty that he was never the WWF champion, and it's a, really a travesty that he's even on this list as a one-time Intercontinental champion because this is a guy that should have been a multiple-time IC champion. It should have been a world champion, at least in my opinion. Um, totally agree. How about this guy though, uh, Ahmed Johnson or Big Daddy Cool with Diesel? Oh man, Def- definitely love Big Daddy Cool. Uh, man, I. I Given given the nod to Diesel, man, Diesel, uh, man, he had the he had the look, uh, and, and you know, talking about like cool, Diesel was cool, man. He was just absolutely cool, and I, I loved seeing him with the Intercontinental title. Um, I love that jackknife. Uh, I, I'm I'm going with Diesel on this one. 
I'm right there with you, dude. I mean, we talk about cool. We were just talking about it in the last in the last category. There's a guy where his cool's in his name. It's his moniker. He's Big Daddy Cool. Uh, to me, this one's pretty easy too. I love the Pearl River Plunge. We didn't really, we haven't really covered it too much. Um, one of the dopest finishers of my childhood was a Pearl River Plunge, but just a notch above it is a jackknife. You know what I'm saying? Because he's taller. Does the release point that he always hit it with? Like, right. I, I, I love Big Daddy Cool, so I'm gonna go with him too. Uh, this next one's pretty easy for me. I mean, it's just he's just this guy's just kind of a fucking footnote, but he was a one-time champion in the '90s, so I included him. Um, Ahmed Johnson or Mark Marrow, the Wild Man. See, you know, I think Mark Marrow. I, I think he he looked great. Um, uh, definitely. I mean, just in shape. Uh, you know, he had Sable with him. Uh, he's he's really. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, sleep on uh, how good he is in the in the ring. He uh, to me, he was really, really, really good. I'm going with Mark Merrill on this one. See, he is great in the ring. I do agree with you. That 450 splash. Oh, I'm sorry, not the 450. The shooting star and uh. the, the shit that Mark Merrill, the shit that Mark Merrill could do in the ring, awesome. Johnny B. Bad character wise, awesome. Something was just missing with Mark Merrill. I don't know what it was. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you've heard it before. I know you've heard it. I've heard it too. Vince wanted Johnny B. Bad. You know what I'm saying? And when he could, when yes. he realized he couldn't get Johnny B. Bad and he got Mark Merrill instead and he had to kind of develop his own character from that, I think he lost interest and it just was not the same for him. He wanted Johnny B. Bad. That's who he wanted and he couldn't have him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do agree that Merrill's a way better, a, was a way better worker than, than Ahmed, but I just think Ahmed was at a whole different level. When he was IC champion, I think he was, you know, like, the IC title was, I won't say at its peak, but it was definitely not a, a, on a low. And I don't want to say that it was on a low when Mark Merrill had it, but it just felt lesser. You know what I'm saying? That, that makes yeah. sense. When Merrill yeah, had it. it makes total sense. Um, what about the guy? this guy? Um, a guy where by the time he had the Intercontinental title, his push had pretty much already, his like, you know, his popularity had dwindled so much. Um, Ahmed Johnson or Ken Shamrock? Man. Yeah. yeah. Shamrock, uh, Shamrock was such a badass, uh, you know, like when he would snap and he's suplexing referees and uh, officials from backstage. Uh, man, I, I think right guy, wrong time. Um, exactly. That's what my thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would say amen on this one just because, you know, I think it's like you said, once he got the Intercontinental title, it was just kind of man, you know. So, uh, man, I really would have liked to seen uh, Shamrock uh, really move past that and, and really win the big one. I think he had a great look. I mean, God, dude was so jacked. Um, but uh, on this, you know, I got to go with Ahmed. Same with you. Same with me, dude. I got to go Ahmed just because by the time Shamrock got it, and then Shamrock, and shout out to Ken Shamrock. He's a flashbacker. He's one of my followers. Uh, oh, so that's shout what's out to up. him. And I'm a huge Shamrock fan. I always felt like Shamrock is Shamrock could have been in our last category of guys that missed opportunity because at one point Shamrock was hot as shit and he was over. And by the t- my only issue with him is the one-time Intercontinental Champion is that by the time they gave it to him it was way too late. Like yeah. I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see that incarnation of Shamrock be the IC champ. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it was when he was in the in the corporation already. And yeah. By that time I was over it. You know what I'm saying? Like heel Shamrock didn't work for me. Babyface Shamrock, believe it. And I'm and that's crazy because I'm a heel guy. Like I always gravitate more towards heels anyways, because I feel like that's the more authentic interpretation of what of what that person's probably more like than what baby at least the way that Vince books baby faces. But I preferred babyface Shamrock. I don't know why, dude. There was just something about it that like he screamed babyface to me. I did not like him as a heel. Babyface Shamrock got some ridiculous pops. I mean, so 
they, man, they could have did so much with that guy. Uh, man, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. I agree with you. And Shamrock could have, could have and should have been a lot bigger than he was. Um, what about this one? Another one-time champion. We're getting towards the end now here, dude. This is this was in the, the later 90s. Um, what about the Road Dog or Ahmed Johnson? See, once once we're getting into the the, the later '90s of of the Intercontinental Title, it, it's breaking my heart because it, it's meaning less. You know, I, I'm going with Ahmed on this because I I think when Ahmed had it, you know, the Intercontinental Title was still presented in a more prestigious fashion. Uh, and it's no disrespect uh, to, to Road Dog at all. But I think we were starting to play a uh, hot potato a little bit uh, moving into this era with the Intercontinental title. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, a little bit longer title reigns and, you know, the Intercontinental title being uh, that, that workhorse title. And I'm not saying Road Dog was, I'm not saying that. But, you know, you think of guys like Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect, and you think about some of the matches they had as Intercontinental champion. Once you started moving to the late 90s, oh, man, you were just kind of kind of losing that quality a little bit. So I got to go with Ahmed on this one. I could not have said it any better myself, dude. Those are my exact same feelings about the time the road dog had it. Here's, here's the thing about the Intercontinental title. You already said it's the workhorse belt, but also uh, simultaneously as being the workhorse belt, it's like the future belt. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, right. the you put that on the guy that you're you're, you're grooming to be your world champion. And I never got that vibe from the road dog. When Ahmed had it, I was like, yes, this is just a placeholder. Eventually he'll be world champion. And that's how you're supposed to feel about the intercontinental title. When the road dog had it, I was just like, okay, road dog has it. I kind of already know this is the peak. I don't ever picture the road dog main eventing for the world title at any point. You know what I'm saying? So for those reasons, I, I agree with you. And I got to go with, I got to go with Ahmed. I, he was a far superior one time intercontinental champion in the nineties. Um, and it's, you know, sadly, like you said, it's going to start getting a little weirder here because uh, what about a guy, D'Lo Brown or Ahmed Johnson? Hmm. Uh, again, like I said, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but like you said, you're to me now, I, I think D'Lo's a better in-ring worker for sure. And D'Lo, Absolutely. D'Lo had charisma, man. You know, the, the head bob and everything like that. It's just D'Lo was cool, man. Uh but again, sticking with the representation of the Intercontinental title and how it's presented, uh, you know, Ahmed was obviously presented as a bigger star uh, than D'Lo. So I got to go with Ahmed on this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you, dude. I have three more names, but these next two are going to be prob probably going to be pretty fast for the same reasons that we just talked about. It's just because the when the guys held it. Um, and this is the time where the IC title, because these aren't these aren't late '90s. These are a little bit more earlier '90s, and it's a time where the Intercontinental title is still really prestigious. But these are just guys that you couldn't see, even when they won it. You knew, like, okay, well, this is just kind of a placeholder. Just he's just a transitional champ. This is not going to be who has it. Um, so the first guy I'm going to throw at you is Ahmed Johnson or the Mountie, Jacques Rougeau. <sighs> First of all, I love the Mounties theme. Not the second one, the original one. Loved that theme song. Um, first of all, I mean, he he held it for what? A, a handful of days? Seriously? Uh, and I know he ended up losing it, I think, to Piper uh, at, at the Rumble. Um, I think uh, the Intercontinental title around the Mounties waist, really cool visual. I'm a huge Mountie fan. Um, loved that Hill character. Uh, but I got to go with Ahmed on this because uh, of the short amount of time that the Mountie held it um, just didn't do anything 
you know, anything with it. I think if he had a little bit of a, a run with it and maybe it was the Mountie versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania eight, uh, maybe, but, uh, again, uh, Ahmed was a bigger star. He was a little bit more uh, up the ladder. Um, so I got to go with Ahmed on this one. I've actually done a, a Mountie Jacques Joe episode. And so I'm pretty well versed on the Mountie and I, I, he beat Brett for the title, which I thought was super impressive. Yes, and I will agree with you that had he probably had a longer run, had he just, had they not fed him to Piper at the Rumble and had he just, you know, consistently stayed with, had he stayed with the title until at least WrestleMania eight and dropped it back to Brett. I feel like we'd look at his run a little bit, you know, more, 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 uh, you know, with, 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 with more impressiveness, I guess is, is what I would say. Um, no. But he was a super transitional champion. There's a guy on the, that I didn't even throw on this list because he's like champion for like an hour or so, and that's Dean Douglas. Um, yeah. He was also a one-time champion in the 90s. But obviously I didn't include him for obvious reasons. I mean, it sucks. One day I'll do a, a Shane Douglas episode because that's that's one of the tragic stories in pro wrestling, to me at least. But um, but yeah, man, I, I love the Mountie. I, just like you, I love the song. I love the the, the intro music is, is great. But um, it's on Matt Johnson pretty easily for me. Uh, how about this next one? There's a guy where, you know, talk about missed opportunities or talk about people that I don't, that I feel a little bit sorry for because they could have, should have gotten a better push just from, from in-ring ability wise. Um, all man Johnson or Marty Janetti. Marty's a one-time champ actually defeats Shawn Michaels on Raw to win the title. Drops yeah. back really uh, fast. Though. Positioning, man. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Ahmed on this one again because of positioning, but you know, Mar- Marty, uh, I-, I think a guy again, his own worst enemy. I know Marty, uh, kind of had some start and stops, uh, with the WWF in his run. Uh, uh, once he became a single star and then, you know, once, once Sean got going in, uh, his singles run. Well, I mean, we all see how that turned out. You know what I mean? He just went all the way to the moon where Marty was just kind of, eh, so, but at the time, you know, Marty uh, defeating Sean for the Intercontinental title, super cool story, you know, from uh, their breakup and uh, the, the, the barbershop incident, you know, some really cool justification for, for Marty. Um, but again, the positioning of Ahmed, the way they were pushing him as the Intercontinental champion, I got to go with Ahmed on this one. Yeah. I mean, this one's pretty easy for me. I, I, I like Marty. I feel sorry for him. I feel like he... He maybe he shouldn't have been Sean, but he definitely shouldn't be like. I just feel bad because he's like almost like a, you know, what I'm saying like he's like a, I don't know, like the people talk about like oh Janetti, he's like a term, you know what I'm saying? Like when when somebody's not as good as their tag team partner, like oh yeah. they're, they're Janetti and shit, you know? What I'm like that sucks because to me, I don't feel like he he deserves that. But at the same time, I realize he was no Sean. Like there's only one Sean. Um, but yeah, it's Ahmed Johnson, dude. Marty had it, and it, and he's one of those guys where, as much as I like Marty personally, and I think he's cool and he's awesome, I he felt like a transitional champion. He knew Sean was going to get that title back in just a matter of time. And then to me, I never looked at it as like, okay, well, they might elevate Marty from this point. Um, so to me, it's Ahmed Johnson. And the last one's a guy that you already talked about. One-time Intercontinental Champion defeats the Mountie at the at um at the 1992 Royal Rumble. The Hall of Famer, the legend, the one and only Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper, or Ahmed Johnson? Well, I'm going with Ahmed on this because Hot Rod was such a, uh, he was a unique character. I I never really thought that he needed a championship. Um, you know, the, the Intercontinental Championship, yeah, you know, it, it's nice, you know, to put that star uh, on his career. Yeah, he's a former Intercontinental Champion, but I mean, it, it wouldn't have hurt him if he never would have had it. So, you know, I know they talk about him as a, you know, never being a, uh, the WWF champion. 
Hot Rod Denver needed it. So uh, I go with Ahmed on this only because I see that Hot Rod was so unique. Um, definitely one of the best on the mic to ever do it. So, I mean, he just never needed a championship. So I'm going with Ahmed. See, I'm going to agree and also disagree with you at the same time because honestly, and I, you dude, you know I respect the fuck out of you. I hate that fucking narrative. I hate the whole, oh, well, he didn't need a title, you know, kind of thing. Because to me, like, I'm not saying that people need championships. I'm just saying, like, for I, I don't like when that's used as an excuse for why they didn't get a title, like Jake or, or, or Roddy, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, why didn't a rude. Like, oh, well, they didn't need the title. Like, no, dude, so you're fucking telling me so Hogan needed the title? Like, Hogan was not that big of a star that he wouldn't have been over without the title? I just hate when they use that, that you know, rationalization to, to, to justify why other guys didn't have the title. When in, re- when in reality, it's, you know, fucking Hogan was a hog and he liked to be champion and he was not about to just drop the fucking title to whoever, whenever. So that's my issue with that with that phrase and that, that, that thinking. But I will agree with you that Piper didn't need that title. To me, I still would have loved to see him as the world champion, and I think he would have benefited from it even more. Um, I won't. I won't say he needed it, as in like his his character was crippled without it. Um, but I just think it, it would have definitely enhanced him to be the world champion, intercontinental champion. I agree with you, dude. He didn't. If he would have never been that, if he doesn't have that one intercontinental championship reign, it doesn't affect his 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 career or his his you know what I'm saying like his legacy at all. The only thing that that thing that that run made me wish is like, oh shit, look at how good Piper looks with gold. I wish he would have had the winged eagle too. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my only thing with that with that entire run. But um, I gotta go. I even as as much as I love as much as I love Piper, I still go with Ahmed because you know same kind of ra- uh, reasoning that I went with some of the other guys. Even when Piper had it, I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, I got I I I was I was still too young. I was like three years old when Piper won the title. Um, so I wasn't watching you know live. This is all in in, in retrospect where I know he's never gonna win the world title at that point. Um, but still, you know what I'm saying? Like, watching him, I'm like, oh yeah, I would have never got the vibe that he was gonna be the world champion. And says he's almost like a, it was almost like he was too old as the Intercontinental Champion, as far as if that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. At that time, the title was still for up and comers and for the next generation. You know what I'm saying? Like. Piper had already main evented WrestleMania. He had already done so much by the time he won the title that it's just like, okay, it's just, you know, he's just champion. It's nothing's really going to come from it. So for those reasons, I, I go with Ahmed. But I mean, Piper is one of those. I, I loved having seen Piper with some gold. I always thought that was pretty cool. But Adam, that's going to wrap up the name game. And that's going to wrap up our interview, dude. Man, it's always so fun. Like, I lose track of time whenever we, we, we talk, dude. That's why I had to have you back, especially for this episode, because, you know, Ahmed, there's not a lot of meat on that bone, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has a very short career, but I knew if, if anybody could make it super interesting and, and, and help me get a full episode out of it, it was you, man. So I appreciate it. Um, go ahead and plug, plug, you know, Creating Heat one more time. Tell the people where to find you. Tell them what you got coming up and, you know, you know, just let them know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're uh, on Twitter at Creating Heat. Uh, we do, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live uh live tweeting we do nxt of course we do all the pay-per-views we love to interact with people so just you know give us a shout on there like i said we'd love to hear feedback um we we love to you know have debates uh no ugliness please but uh yeah we just like to interact and just you know wrestling is subjective so we're looking at it from all different angles and we can all enjoy it uh without being super ugly uh towards somebody just based on their opinions and views so uh just holler at us we'd love to hear from you Awesome, dude. Yes, guys, make sure you guys are following Adam. Once again, that's at Creating Heat on Twitter. Um, Adam, dude, 
you're quickly becoming one of my favorite guests, man. Almost a go-to guy for me. Is I love having these conversations with you, dude. You, we're, we're almost always on the same page. You know, we might not always agree on stuff, but we, we keep it respectful and we keep it cool. The conversation is always flowing. I love your point of view on a lot of this stuff, dude. So we're definitely going to have you back soon. All right, man? All right, man. Appreciate it. Always good to hear from you. All right, guys, what an awesome interview. I got to thank my boy Adam Harris one more time for coming on and talking a little bit about Ahmed Johnson with me. It's always fun to have you on. Remember to stay caught up with Adam uh, on Twitter at Creating Heat. You know, make sure you guys stay connected with him. Um, That's going to wrap up this week's episode, guys. Fun, fun episode. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the one, two, three kid, one of the most iconic and underrated performers of the WWF's new generation era. We're going to talk about him beating Razor Ramon. We're going to talk about him being a multiple-time tag team champion, him running with the click. Um, So, yeah, it should be fun. Make sure you guys tune in next week and check that out. Once again, remember to follow me on social media, at Flashback Wrestling on Instagram, at FBW Podcast on Twitter. Remember to to subscribe to me on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Stay caught up with all of us over at WrestlingExaminer.com. For WrestlingExaminer.com, this has been Flashback Wrestling. I'm Wesley Avendano. Thank you for, for, for bearing with me as I knock off the rust, and I will catch you guys next week.